Suns have a timeout. Decide not to call it. Booker the drive, gets inside, leans in. Knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has to foul. And a pinnacle ball throws it down. And a foul. Giannis on the alley-oop. What a turnaround. A chance to take the lead and the turnover. As the Bucks now up by three and a free throw coming up. I think the most likely scenario in which the Bucks win the finals is that they win in game five and then they win at home in game six. Identical to what the Raptors did a couple of years ago. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I just remember, I don't know, a week ago, week and a half ago, two weeks ago, when everybody was all down on the NBA Finals. Like, ah, there's no LeBron, no Kevin Durant. The Nets should have been there. The Nets got hurt. Ah, this NBA Finals, ah, it's a bunch of luck, flukes. It's not a good Finals. And then the first couple of games, they had mar- all had margins of double digits, right? None of these games were close. They were good games, but they weren't close. People looking around like, ah, this Finals ain't really all that. Eh, not doing much for me. Ah, the ratings aren't great. Ah, there's no LeBron. <clears throat> these last few games have been two of the best NBA Finals games I have ever watched. Ever. Like, you got to go back to LeBron in the Heat versus the, the best version of the Spurs. That's up there. The 2016 Finals with the Warriors versus LeBron. Other than that, over the last 10 years, it's a bunch of KD Warriors. It's a bunch of LeBron Heat beating up on the Young Thunder, beating up on the old Spurs. And then the one, you know, year with Toronto and then the one weird year that the Heat made the Finals. We were we were complaining about this. People were complaining about this Finals. Two of the best games I've ever seen, both capped by some of the best Finals moments I've ever seen. The, LeBron, the block on DeAndre Ayton. People are comparing that to some of the best finals blocks of all time, including LeBron's in 2016. And then on Saturday night, we get that play that you heard to start the show. Drew Holiday stripping Booker and then having the set to just toss it up to Giannis. Up one with the ball with 13 seconds to play. Ah. If you you don't enjoy this finals, if you're not enjoying this, you don't like basketball. You're a fraud. Oh, there's no LeBron. Sorry. As a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I would like to formally... For my team, say, uh, you're welcome for this amazing final. Phoenix Suns fans should be saying the exact same thing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It has been an amazing finals. And the basketball fan in me wants this game to go 9, 10, 11, 12 games. The Bucks fan in me wants it done tomorrow night. Because the Bucks handled their business in game 5, being the first team to strike blood on the road. Which I kind of felt coming. You never see the first four games go chalk. You never see the home teams win the first four games like that. The bottom was due to drop out, and the Bucks just happened to be the away team that, that was due up next that happened to strike. I also felt that if the Bucks were going to do this, they were probably going to do it by winning four in a row. They've won three in a row. They're close. Now they got to close it out tomorrow night after winning game five, 123-119. A huge night from their best three players. Another signature moment from Giannis. It, it was amazing. It was excellent. And it was one of the best basketball games I've ever watched in the NBA Finals. If you're not a Bucks fan, if you're not a Suns fan, you should have been glued to your TV. It was incredible. It was amazing. A lot easier for me to say because I'm a Bucks fan and my team won. But even as an impartial observer, 
an absolute classic. One team was down 16, the other one was up 14, and on and on. Big plays, big. The shot making in this game was incredible. You just saw how good Chris Middleton is, and Devin Booker, and at times Chris Paul, and Mikhail Bridges, and Giannis is sent one legged Dirk fadeaways. What an awesome game, and I can't wait to dig into it, mostly from a Bucks perspective. I know we're, we're starting here kind of big picture. What a great finals. This is awesome basketball, and it is. But of course, this is the Wisco Sports Show, and I want to focus in on what the Bucks are doing, and I'm glad you're here to do it with me. The talking text line, send me a text, 608 796 2558. You can also follow me. Tweet me, be a part of the show on Twitter if you are on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. That's where you can find my handle. Coming up at 4.30, I want to talk about momentum. I think this series is a a brilliant example of how momentum works in sports. Not just over the course of a game. Like in football, you see it a lot. One team turns it over, gives up a touchdown. Oh, that team has all the momentum. Not not just in games, but over the course of a seven-game series. I want to talk about momentum. 5.30, I want to talk about an adjustment that the Suns should make. I'm hoping they don't make before game six because that's what's standing in between the Bucks and their first titles for, you know, 50 years. So we'll talk about that. We're going to hear from a lot of players. We're going to hear highlights. It's going to be great. Let's start by, by just breaking this game down from a Bucks perspective. We just talked about it as, I, I think, historically one of the best finals games I've watched in the last 10 or 12 years. Saturday night was euphoric. And Wisconsin fans, I don't, I don't know that we're used to breakthrough wins like that, right? After Brooklyn game seven, I remember coming on the air the next day and just being like, what do you want? What do I do here? I'm so used to coming on, turning on the microphone, putting on my headphones and explaining why the Packers lost in an NFC championship game or why the Brewers lost in the playoffs or why the Badgers lost to either BYU in the regular season or in March Madness in the tournament. Our teams have had amazing story potential for a decade. The Packers have been, oh, Aaron Rodgers get back to his second Super Bowl. Great story. The Badgers, with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker being the, the low and slow old school program to take on Kentucky and take on Duke. Didn't quite happen. We almost had it. The Brewers in 2018. The lowly Brewers. The ship being steered by Craig Council. He had like two and a half starting pitchers. That was it. And he almost did it. Couldn't beat the Dodgers. We've had amazing story potential for our teams. They've just never broken through. And the Bucks winning Saturday and going up in the Series 3-2. It's an incredible story. It's the culmination of a pairing, Giannis and Chris Middleton, that have been together now for eight years. They've gotten better every single year. Blows my mind. The Bucs in this postseason have now won as many games. I think they're 15 and, and 7 in this postseason. They won 15 games all of 2013, which, of course, was Giannis and Chris Middleton's first year together. Now, of course, the story won't be complete until they win tomorrow night in Game 6, as our Lord and Savior Brandon Jennings once foretold. But the story is coming together before our eyes. And that win on Saturday night, we've seen a lot of losses in that spot. Give the Bucks all the credit in the world for pulling that out. And for league fans, for casual NBA fans, the Bucks winning this title, potentially, is amazing. Giannis chose to stay in Milwaukee. He wanted to stay in the small market. He wanted to see it through and win with the team that has been building around him. That's an incredible story. For those who've watched this team closely maybe going back to 2013 or even longer, or maybe you jumped on board three years ago, two years ago, whatever. If you've been watching this team closely for any period of time, Saturday's win highlights the many ways that this team has grown and gotten better and matured and gotten smarter. I have a bunch of examples that I wrote down. I might get a little emotional. This is pretty cool stuff because these are maturations and changes and adjustments and and areas of growth that I hoped the Bucs would make. I don't know that I expected it. I don't know that I was counting on it. This is potential that we considered, but I, I, don't, I didn't know if we were ever going to get here. And the fact that they are 
and they're so close for all of these different reasons. It's pretty cool. Let's talk about winning in crunch time. This was really the first nail-biter of a game. Now, the previous game was close, but it didn't come down to one possession at the end. Over the course of this game, the Bucks were down 16, then they were up 14, and then in the final minute of this game, the Suns pull within one point to really, I mean, we thought we, thought we were melting down here. We, we thought, oh boy, here we go again. And that's the type of game I think that they lost, I don't know, four weeks ago. They lost a game very similar to this in game five against Brooklyn. They led by 16 in the third quarter in that game, and they let it slip away. And forget big leads. The Bucs have just lost a lot of close games this season in general. If you think of the regular season, they lost a close one to Brooklyn. They lost twice to Phoenix in one-point affairs. Wednesday, February 10th, they lost 125-124 in Phoenix. Monday, April 19th, they lost 128-127 in overtime to Phoenix at home. They lost that nail-biter to Golden State where everything melted down at the end. The Bucs won a crunch-time game in Phoenix against a great crunch-time team. The Suns have, have won 12 games in a row that have been decided by five points or less. And the Bucks, who historically under Budenholzer have not been tremendous in finishing and winning close contested games decided by a couple of points at the end. They weren't good in the regular season, but what, what do we keep saying? They're learning. They're getting better. They'll grow from this. And we've seen it in the postseason. Game seven against Brooklyn. A couple of those games against Atlanta and on Saturday night. Against the Suns, nonetheless, who are like five points better per 100 possessions in the half court. They're a way better half court offense. They're, they're just more detailed. They're more clean. They can run things when the game slows down. The Bucks they can, but it's not their, their strong suit. Phoenix is unbelievably good at free throws. The Bucks are a little bit more average, right? The Suns are designed. They're built to win close games like that. And the fact that the Bucks were able to hold on and at least out-execute them to the degree that they needed. It wasn't always pretty. They missed some free throws. They had some missteps. But to just be good enough in crunch time, to beat a team like that, a team that had won 12 in a row, decided by five points or less, in their building nonetheless, shows huge growth. And that's really, really cool. Let's talk about the Bucs stars. Their big three, Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. I wrote this down before the game. And it turned out to be true. I wrote down this. A reminder, this series comes down to Giannis and Chris and CP3 and Booker. We can obsess over the other guys, but a watch pot never boils. Success from other players is largely contingent on play from the stars. It's a side effect. To some extent, game plan matters too, but you get the point. And then I came back after the game and I wrote this down. Update after the game. The Bucks' big three showed up and won that game. We love that. And sure, Pat was great, but Bridges was too. My point, we can obsess about Pat Connaughton and the threes that he hits. We can obsess about DeAndre Ayton and his role, especially in the, the games in the middle of the series. We can obsess on whether or not Jay Crowder's hitting threes, but here's the bottom line. These games are decided by the stars. Just like in 2019, it wasn't Fred Van Vliet that tilted that series. Really, it was Kawhi showing out and Giannis and Chris Middleton not showing out. For years, we've wanted to see Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe all be great in the same game. Or Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, great in the same game. We've, we never see it. It happens once and it's the biggest deal in the world. And we got it on Saturday. And when they flashed this graphic at the end of the game, showing the stats, the three of them side by side by side, I almost teared up. I couldn't believe it. Giannis, 32-9-6. Middleton, 29-7-5. And, and Drew Holiday, 27-4-13. At one point in the second quarter, Drew Holiday had 18 points in the first half. And during that second quarter, out loud with my friends that I was watching with, Drew Holiday hits a three. And I look around and I go, okay, I've seen enough. The Bucs need to win this game. Because Drew Holiday is on. And then Chris Middleton, later on in the game, turned out to be on. And Giannis has been on this entire series. And I said, they're all three clicking, and especially with Drew Holiday, who almost had 20 points in the first half. You need to win this game. 
and ended up doing so. Got a little dramatic. Drew Holiday was outstanding. That's the quietest 13-assist game I've ever seen. They scored 31 points on Drew Holiday assists. It wasn't just little, like, dump-offs to Giannis in the paint for an easy bucket. He was spraying the ball to the corners. He was skip pass, right, manipulating the defense and finding the tiny little passing lane to sneak a ball in there to Pat Connaughton or to Bobby Portis or some of these corner threes. 13 assists. And the final assist that he had in the game, this highlight, and I know we started the show with this, but I just, I just want to play this again. Suns have a timeout. Decide not to call it. Booker the drive, gets inside, leans in. Knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has to foul. And a pinnacle ball throws it down. And a foul. Giannis on the alley-oop. What a turnaround. A chance to take the lead and the turnover. As the Bucks now up by three and a free throw coming up. I didn't realize or appreciate this play at the time. I was with my friends, and I was watching, and I was totally sucked in. I was totally tunnel visioned. And with 13 seconds left, I'm not thinking, stop, 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 stop. Pull it out, pull it out. Find Middleton, find Connaughton. Get the ball to a good free throw shooter. I'm thinking, oh, my God, of course you throw the lob. Giannis is a two-time MVP. Giannis is probably the best player in NBA history, maybe outside of Shaq, to go up and get that ball. And he did it, and I'm sitting on my couch thinking, throw up the lob, throw up the lob, throw up the lob. When the responsible thing, the safe thing to do the play that was maybe to avoid losing rather than trying to go for the win was to just dribble it back and get into a free throw game. And I respect and appreciate Drew Holiday for realizing, look, let's try to end this because I don't know if I want to get in a free throw contest. When I got Giannis and Middleton, Middleton's great. He did miss one in crunch time. Drew's not a great free throw. Drew's pretty good. And I want to go against Chris Paul and Devin Booker and a team that makes some free throws. I don't want to do that. Let's end this right now. Giannis, after the game, talking about that alley-oop a little bit and exactly... What went down on that play? I was so in the moment. You know, I wasn't worried about the clock. I wasn't worried about the crowd. I wasn't worried about nothing. I was worried about I had the open lane, you know, throw it up. And he trusted me. Now, if we put it all down now, there was like, what, 20 seconds on the clock? Yeah, Drew, if you put it all down and you go, you know, traditionally, yeah, pull it back out, give the ball to Chris, let's run a high pick and roll, and so probably going to follow him. You know, he's going to go to the free throw line. But, I was, you know, sometimes when you're so much in the moment, you, you just react. I was only thinking about the play. I had the space. I had the lane. And if you take away the clock and you don't know the circumstances of the game, oh, it's the most obvious play ever. Of course you throw the lob. But the circumstances make it a little bit more of a gutsy play. The fact that Giannis went up and got that. We got to talk about Giannis. I am blown away. And I think like most Bucks fans, I've watched him. I've hoped that he would reach this point. I've believed that he could reach this point, but I, I'm not going to say that I expected it, that I would have bet money on it. This is unreal. Yeah, he missed a few free throws. Okay, sue him. They were good enough in crunch time to get a win in Phoenix, which means they were so unbelievably good in every other department that the free throws didn't kill him. That just speaks to how good of a game that was. What Giannis is doing is unbelievable. He's averaging 30, 10, and 5 on 60% shooting. This is the first player ever to do that in an NBA Finals. 32 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists per game, a steal and a half a game, a little over one block a game, and all on 61% shooting. That's unbelievable. And we first talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how Giannis is wired a little bit differently and how his upbringing makes him see and communicate and interpret the world a little bit differently than how we would growing up in America, how Ben Simmons who's from went to LSU, grew up in the American basketball culture, right? 
Giannis sees things differently. Some things don't matter to him like it matters to us. He didn't grow up in a culture that that put first take on a pedestal. Like, oh, you see who see who Stephen A. Smith's going after today on first take? Oof. I wouldn't want to be the Chicago Bears or the Dallas Cowboys. He's, he's going in. Do you think that means anything to Giannis? He grew up with a TV. The stuff doesn't have value to him. It doesn't hold weight. And that impacts how he plays. And when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, it was an interesting footnote. It was a fun conversation. But game after game after game, I keep seeing examples. Game four, DeAndre Ayton, he goes up and blocks him. Giannis said after the game, yeah, I thought I was going to get dunked on. Remember that? I think I have that saved here. Hold on. Here it is. I thought I'm going to get dunked on. Yeah, he thought he was going to get dunked on. But he went up anyways, right? Last night, he's going up. He's not afraid to go to the free throw line. Yeah, he missed. But him going to the free throw line is still good for him. It's good for his team. He's not afraid of getting embarrassed. What I love about Giannis, he's not a perfect player and he'll make mistakes. But the mistakes he makes will always be mistakes of commission, never of omission. He's never going to be Ben Simmons who shies away from trying to make a play. Sure, he might try to make a play to Michael poorly, but it's still good to try to make the play. On his podcast today, and I haven't been able to listen to the whole thing yet because I've been really busy today. But Bill Simmons, talking about this game and talking about Giannis, saying he's always swimming forward. He's always looking forward. He can get embarrassed at the free throw line and he flushes it immediately. He's on to the next play. That's such an important trait, and that's, in my opinion, an extension of Giannis's upbringing, of socially, what went on in his life when he was growing up, and the differences between him and somebody who grew up and played AAU and played in America. Because it affects the way he plays, and it's a huge advantage for him and his teammates around him and the Bucks, who are now one win away from their first finals in 50 years. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit more about Giannis. Here's some comments from him after the game. And then I want to talk about momentum at 435. Brand new take. I thought of it this weekend. This isn't going to be some rehash of something we've already talked about. I think momentum in this series is, is more obvious than in any sporting event I've probably ever watched. That coming up. More Bucks talk on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Text line 608-796-2558. Chuck. Thank you for the text, Chuck. He says, Grant, do you worry Giannis could end up in COVID protocol with the Nasus in it? I'm worried he will test positive. It's my nightmare scenario. Uh, is it weird? I don't want to jinx anything. I'm not a doctor. Do you really really care what I think? I don't know. Depends on how often they were together. I got to think if it hasn't happened yet, it probably won't happen, which is a reason to not stress, Chuck. Don't stress about things you can't control. Mike and Madison, who sent us the famous text last Friday that Coach Bud is a guru. Remember that? Yeah. Told you. That's oh, his text today is, I told you. Mike, thank you for signing your text as always, Mike. Uh, this is actually from a first-time texter, so go ahead and send your name back if um, you'd like me to. Otherwise, you can be anonymous. That's fine. This texter says, some of us remember that certain listeners, I believe his name was David Monona, said that Chris Middleton doesn't play well on the road. Just a thought, Bucks and Six signed anonymous listener. Dave, shots fired, shots fired at Dave and Monona. Yeah, Dave and Schmidt on the north side were beefing last week. Schmidt won the Twitter poll, but I, I'm not going to let the Twitter poll decide how this entire community feels. That's a beef that I hope continues. Schmidt on the north side and Dave and Monona, that's just what this show needs. Like John Cena coming back to the WWE last night to stare down Roman Reigns. That's what WWE needed. How about a hell in a cell match between Dave and Monona and Schmidt on the north side? Who says no? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, let's set it up. We'll talk to Ebo. Do it in Madison. It's fine. We'll come to you, Dave. We'll we'll take a trip from the north side all the way to, to just Monona. 
It's fine. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Talking a little bit about Giannis and his brilliance so far. And I thought we would hear from him just a little bit. And we can piggyback off his thoughts, add in, you know, jump in when necessary, when we feel so inclined. It's easy to forget they were down 16. Giannis talks about coming back from a deficit and fighting back in this game. And I thought it was interesting. And it, it can take us to an interesting conversation. Here's Giannis. We don't stop. We keep coming. You know, um, uh, and that's this team does that so well. You know, even with down 0-2, with down mm. 0-1, with down 16 uh, points. Yes, Lord. We keep coming. We keep competing because we know the game is long. It's 48 minutes. Mm. Seven-game series, 48-minute games. Two things I want to point out off of that answer. Number one, he said that we keep coming. We don't stop, whether we're down 16 or whether we're down zero games to two. I keep referencing this. I keep bringing it up. But I'm going to bring it up again. It's after that Brooklyn series when I took that little snippet from inside the NBA with Kenny the Jet Smith, and he's like, championship teams got to be able to come out of a hole. And I think the Bucks kind of proved their championship medal coming out of that 0-2 hole and coming back winning in seven in Brooklyn. Now, this is another 0-2 deficit that they're fighting back from, but also a 16-point deficit. These Bucks have proven time and time again, we can climb out of a deficit, we can climb out of a hole. That's a great sign, an important component of a championship team, which the Bucks are trying to become. The Bucs also just have bigger, better bigs. They, they, they have a path to victory. They present the Suns with questions that the Suns can't answer. How are you going to guard Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, defend and stay out of foul trouble. You, you can't because they don't have the bodies. And it was very similar to Atlanta when they played Philly. Atlanta kept coming back because Atlanta wasn't scared of Philly. They knew that they had Trey Young, Bogdan, Herter, Gallinari, Lou Williams, John Collins. Oh, and the Sixers had who? Seth Curry? No wonder Atlanta wasn't scared. Atlanta could have been on 16, and they know, oh, we hit three three-pointers in a row. We're right there. And I think the same with the Bucks. Oh, we're down 16. Okay, we'll pound them in the paint for 12 minutes, then see what the score is like. And that's exactly what happened. Knowing that you have such an undeniable advantage, knowing that you pose questions to the opponent that they can't hope to answer, you never feel like you're out of the game. It was the case with Atlanta, and it was the case with the Bucks on Saturday. Hopefully that continues. Well, hopefully they don't go into a, a deficit. Hopefully they jump out to a 16-0 lead, and they run away with Game 6 on Tuesday night. Moving into game six on Tuesday, Giannis not celebrating yet. He understands that they still have steps they got to go through. The steps to it before the game, right? And if we do all those things right and we are disciplined, once the game started and we play good basketball, we have the energy of the fans because we know they're going to be loud and we have an opportunity to win the NBA championship. It's going to be amazing to do it in front of our fans. But there's more steps until we get there. But it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome to do it in front of our fans. But the steps to it. He understands, eh, there's still steps we got to go through. We got to do everything right. Otherwise, this game is all of a sudden tied. The series is tied, and we're going back to Phoenix. They've won there before. They won there on Saturday night. I don't, I don't think they want to go back. He's not celebrating yet, and I understand that. But be that as it may, I can't believe this team is one win away from a title. I mean, you understand what this means, right? The Bucs win a title. You can't speak of NBA history without mentioning the Milwaukee Bucks. You can't speak of the pantheon of great NBA players and final performances without Giannis's name being in there. They don't go down like the Houston Rockets in the mid-2000s. They don't go down like the Paul George Indiana Pacers. They don't go down like the Kevin Durant Thunder. Great teams with great players who never got it done. You win a title, you stamp that team into history. And even if people don't like it, and even if people want to remember this season as the season that the Nets should have won, but they all got hurt, it doesn't matter because you need to give that team their credit. It's the only way that you control the narrative and control how NBA history remembers you. And they're one win away from that. 
And Giannis understands that. He talks about the stakes of this series. Obviously, we know what the deal is. is one game away from being an NBA champion in the history of this game, being always there. They, you know, nobody can take that away from you. And, you know, doing it for our, in front of our families and our fans, um, it's big. It's going to be big. But, you know, that's, that can wait. We got to focus and keep playing good basketball. Giannis is so dialed in right now. And I don't know if you saw this. The Bucks put this on social media. I clipped it off their Twitter. I'm sure they put it on Facebook or Instagram. I don't spend as much time on those two platforms as I do on Twitter. This was after the game when Giannis is walking to the bus. Uh, he, he seems dialed in like a weird level of intense dialed in. This is him walking to the bus addressing the fans. Back fans. I don't usually do this. Try to stay away from social media. When we're going back home, one game away. Be loud. We need you guys to do this. Be loud. He just said, be loud. He didn't smile and do anything. He just turned and walked away. You know, I tried to stay off social media. Like, recording this six-second clip for the Bucks social account to prep for Tuesday. Like, ah, I can't do that. It's a little much. Jeez. I'm not standing in that guy's way. I'm not, I'm not getting in front of him in a basketball hoop on Tuesday night. Godspeed to DeAndre Ayton and anybody who's who's tasked with that with that responsibility. Hey, go stop Giannis from scoring in his building, preventing him to try to win his team's first title since the mid-70s. Good luck. Ha- have a good time. Enjoy that. Good luck to you. I don't think it's going to go well. Giannis seems angry. I'm not getting in his way. I won't do it. 608-796-2558. Uh, let's go to the talk and text line. We just have a call. I was about to take a break, but you know what? Let's go to the phones instead. Coming up next, I want to talk about momentum and how I think this series has been a masterclass in the role that momentum plays in sports. First, we go to the talk and text line. I'm sorry the caller ID isn't giving me something, so I'm not going to try to guess. I don't want to be wrong. Just welcome to the show. Who am I talking to? Grant, it's Nick and Madison. How are you doing? Nick, I'm, I'm doing excellent. If you can't tell, this Buck series has me beside myself. How are you? It's been a while. Uh, it has been a while. I was actually, I, I, I don't know if you saw me or not. I waved. I, I ran by your uh, your studio. I was in lacrosse this last weekend, visiting the, the in-laws. Oh, you were um, visiting the in-laws. Oh, that's touching. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I waved. I thought you saw me. I, I figured you did. You were, you're always working. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that you, play, <laughs> you play in that last clip of Giannis um, telling everybody to get, get loud. I saw that when it was first uh, um, uh, put out there, and it gave me the chills. And every time, I mean, just now, you playing that, how does it not get people excited? I mean, Ebo this morning was talking about feeling like he's been on Niagara for over four hours. He's got to call a doctor. (laughs) It's just an ultimate high. (laughs) Of course, Ebo said that this morning. Dude, it's nuts. And I I listen to everything he says in his press conferences and little clips, and I just I want to follow that man into battle. And I've never fought anyone in my life. (laughs) And I'm ready to throw hands. I don't I don't know at who or what, but I'm ready to throw hands. He's so locked in. He's so dialed in. The, the um, apparently uh, um, the Deer District has been redesigned um, because of the expected numbers. They've actually designated the entire state of Wisconsin as the Deer District now. <laughs> the back line should come so all the I, way over towards Madison and Lacrosse. Oh, the back row. We get some extra screens. I, I will. I will gladly be in there. So yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, Wednesday morning is going to be a, a fun one. Um, watching all the people stagger into work, and uh, um, regardless, you know, hopefully it goes our way. If not, you know, let, let's keep fighting. But yeah, I got a feeling t- uh, tomorrow night, it's it. And uh, I, I just get chills even talking about this because how how often does this happen? I'm I'm 41 years old, and this hasn't happened in my lifetime. And yeah, we've had a 
a few Packers, a couple of Packers Super Bowls. We've never had anything with the Bucks in my lifetime. Never had anything with the Brewers in my lifetime. I'm a Twins fan. We've had two World Series in there. Um, so I mean, this is a rarity. We got to live it up and enjoy it. This is this is my dream. This is the the best case scenario we've always wanted with the Bucks, but we've always hoped for. We've never gotten until now. And I hope they win tomorrow night. And if you're out celebrating, enjoy and. And just drink a couple of waters before Wednesday, Nick. Just remember that. A little a little advice. A, a couple is an understatement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks we'll, for the we'll call, talk man. soon. Have yeah, a good one. You as well. We'll talk soon. Nick, it's good to hear from you. You walked by my building. Yeah, I was feverishly at work. I bet that's what I was doing. I was focused intently on something on Saturday. I, I the only reason I didn't celebrate harder on Saturday and after the game is because Friday was a little it was a late night. It was a little rough. I was in the building on Saturday, but I was I was not here. I was I was typing on keys and I was sending emails, but I mentally I was I was gone. Spiritually, emotionally, religiously, or whatever LeBron always says, I was I was not here. I can't do that on Wednesday. If the Bucks win tomorrow night, I can't really celebrate that hard because I gotta be on on Wednesday. Like if I had any other job, like I, I could be I could be a stonemason or a carpenter, physical labor. I'd rather do that hungover than do a show about the Bucks winning a championship hungover. I won't do it. So I, I promise I won't get out of hand on Tuesday because we got to be on our best. We're going to have a great show on Wednesday if that's the case. And I'm with you, Nick. I don't want to jinx it, but I have a good feeling too. I thought you heard it in the show open. I said last week, I think if the Bucks are going to do this, it's going to be by way of them winning games. Two, three, or three, four, five, six, all in a row. They're one game away from doing that. So I'm going to stick with that prediction. I don't want to jinx it, but I feel good because I felt that this is the way that it was going to go for a couple of days now. Let's take a break. I want to talk about momentum, and I want to continue to hit on this idea of why I think the Bucks, if they're going to win a title, they got to win four in a row, and they're so close to doing it. So let's talk more about that. Thanks for the phone call, Nick. More of the Wisco Sports Show after that. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Justin, 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 Justin. Let's stop this on Twitter. He tweets at me at Wisco Grant. This is Grant. Stop with the shots fired texts, the tweets, the phone calls. We haven't won anything yet. We win this. We have a week's worth of show for those. Until then, don't forget we are Wisconsin sports fans. I think today, Justin, that there's a balance to be struck for celebrating game five, being excited for game six, but also realizing that the game isn't done yet series isn't over yet. It's my goal to strike that balance today. We have to have a little fun while also remembering that this series isn't over. So I want to be able to celebrate game five. I want to talk about that. But yes, I understand that this is far from done. Or as analysts would say, I think there's a lot of basketball left to be played, which is a cowardly way of saying it's not over. But if it does end up being over, I don't want to be ripped for saying that the Suns were going to come back. So I'm just going to say there's a lot of good basketball left to be played. I do believe there is a lot of good basketball. The Bucs are going to have to get one more game. The closeout games are the hardest. Drew Holiday talked about that after the game. We will hear from Drew Holiday at 520. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, as Justin tweets in, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line, as Nick in Madison called in. And Mike, also in Madison. And Chuck and Schmidt up on the north side. And Brett, you can join in on the talk and text line, 608 I want to talk about momentum. I, I, everyone who will listen about this for the last three games, friends who watched the game with me. I went fishing yesterday. I had to talk my ear. The guy at the bar on Saturday, I was like, hey, I want to, I want to tell you something. Talked to him for six minutes about a take that I just, I, I, I was excited for the show today because I was, I was excited to talk about this. I want to talk about momentum. And about a month ago during the Brooklyn series, I spent like 
three straight days talking about narrative. I wanted to speak it into existence. I wanted to speak the Bucks are coming back narrative into existence. Build them up. Try to try to cast a little doubt on Brooklyn. Put a little negativity into that space and lift up the Bucks and, and try to get the, the train rolling in the right direction. No narrative, 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 narrative. What are they saying on first take? What are they saying on Twitter? The NBA is a social media league. It's a Twitter league, unlike football and basketball. And I think some of you got annoyed. Well, I, I don't think. I know some of you got annoyed because I, I see the tweets. I see the tweets. I'm a human being. Right? I see the tweets. Those impact me. I, I feel those. When you don't like the show, I, it stinks because I this show isn't for me. This is for everybody. And I, I think some of you got annoyed about all the talk about narrative. Maybe it was a bit much. All right. I will concede that. I have another abstract idea I want to talk to you about today. Momentum. And I think maybe this is a little bit more concrete. Maybe this is a little bit more obvious. So I'm not just talking about my feelings and stuff. <laughs> and we've talked a lot. We've talked so much about the X's and O's of this series. And I'm far from a basketball coach. Trust me. I've put in the time reading what I need to read and understanding what I need to read so we can talk about the intricacies of this series, right? Whether or not they're switching one through five, they're playing drop coverage, whether they're hedging, whether they're, they're the high pick and roll, the two-man game, whatever. Like, I, following lineups and the plus-minus of all these different lineups. Like, we've done the X's and O's, but that's only half of the story. And I always say this, and it might sound corny, but sports are played by humans, human beings, people with hearts and souls and brains. And depending on your religion, I think most people would agree that humans are imperfect beings. Now, your impetus for that belief might be different from the person next to you. But I think most people believe that people are imperfect. We have flaws. And the personal side of sport matters. It matters less to Giannis for reasons that we've talked about. But the personal side is real. The pressure that these players feel. The stress. And the way that they feel out these games. And they might think, I don't know if we're going to win tonight. Or I think we're going to win tonight. And becoming overly or underly confident depending on the momentum of or the narrative of a series. Momentum is playing a huge role in this series. And we've been watching it play out, obviously, since game two. And here's the take that I've been thinking about and I've told anyone who will listen over the last couple of days. So my close friends that I've seen, I apologize. I think that if you win one game in an NBA playoff series, then the game after that win becomes easier. And if you win again, then the next win becomes easier after that. I think it's a snowball type effect. And I know this is momentum and it's most rudimentary, but I'll get a little more detail here. The Suns win game one at home. As has happened in nine of the 10 previous finals, excluding the bubble, not unexpected at all. The home team normally wins game one. Cool. That game one win helped propel them to a win in game two. Does that make sense? The, the Suns shouldn't have won game two. They shouldn't have. The, the, the Bucks got better shots. They played a better start to finish game. The Suns won anyways. They hit 50% of their threes. They hit 23s. And Middleton and Drew had bad nights. There's this uh, Twitter account called uh, Shot Quality, which I thought I had it saved and I didn't have it saved. So maybe over the next commercial break, I'll pull it up and we can reference it again. But basically, this account and the people who run this account factor in all of the shots that were taken. And then at the end, they say, okay, well, the Suns shot a little bit better here than expected. The Bucks were this many points worse than expected. And all of this data considered, the Bucks were actually supposed to win this game 88 times out of 100 or whatever. The Bucks should have won game two, and they didn't. And I think in simplest terms, the Suns won game one, and they shouldn't have won game two, but the momentum from that game one win and being at home helped carry them. That that got them a bonus win because they were vaulting into that game two on the back of the momentum of game one. Here's another simple way to put it. 
it's easier to keep the momentum going after a win for the team that wins, in this case Phoenix, than it is for the losing team to stop the momentum. It's easier for the Suns to cruise and win a game that they should maybe lose after a win. That carries over. It's a lot easier to do that than it is for the Bucks to put their foot down, to stop all the momentum, and to turn the ship around. Think of it like a boat, right? If you're cruising down the river, it takes almost no energy to just go straight, glide through the water. Yeah, a little engine power, but you don't need too much. Now, if you want to stop that boat, put it in the other direction, well, that takes a lot of energy. That takes a lot. If you're rowing a boat, if it has an engine, you got to put the reverse on, haul that thing to a complete stop, and you got to turn it around. Sports are the same way. Another example, we've seen it with the Bucks too. They get a changeup in game three, and they come home. It's not like they played bad in Phoenix. The Suns just played really good. Got some good shooting luck, and the Suns won a game in game two that they probably shouldn't have based on the numbers, but I think their game one win momentum helped carry them. So now there's a little bit of a switch up in scenery. The, the, the Bucks just needed an excuse. They needed something to refresh, and they come home, and they win game three like they're supposed to because the home game typically goes to the home team in game three. Game one, Home team. Game three, home team. It's typically two and four that are a little bit more up for grabs, and that proved to be the case. The Bucks win game three, like they're supposed to, and now they have the momentum. Albeit of just one game, that momentum is still substantial, and that momentum propels them to a win in game four. They probably shouldn't have won. They were down nine in the fourth quarter. Drew Holiday was terrible. He went four of 20. Nice. Booker had 42, but the Bucks won anyways. Like the Suns won game two anyways, and I think both of those wins for the Bucks and the Suns were because of the momentum from the previous games. And then after game four, the momentum starts to really snowball. I think it's exponential. If you win one game, a little bit, a little bit of juice. If you win two in a row, now you got a lot of juice. If you win three in a row, look out because the snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Phoenix went from up 2-0 to tied 2-2 and blew game four, mind you. They were up nine. They, They won most statistical categories. Drew Holiday was terrible. Booker was amazing. They blew game four. So that adds to the psychological weight of the momentum that the Bucks are now carrying. The Bucs take that momentum into game five, and they erase a 16-point lead like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. It took them a quarter. It didn't even take them a full quarter. Oh, we're down 16. (laughs) We're coming off the shoulders of two impressive wins at home. We're feeling it. We have the momentum. Down 16, don't care at all. And they just cruise through the second and the third quarter. Yeah, it got tight in the fourth, but it's a playoff game in the finals. It should get tight in the fourth quarter. The Suns used game one to win game two. The Bucs rode game three into game four, and then they really used game four to ride into game five. These teams are winning in bunches. They're punching in bunches. When the Suns win one, they win two. When the Bucs win two, they win three. Winning one game, in my opinion, this is a good way to quantify it. If you're a numbers person and you don't like the abstract, winning one game, I think, essentially spots you like an extra three to five points in the next game. I think that's what it amounts to. I think you, it's like you start with an advantage. You start with the lead. You have a head start in the next game because you're riding the shoulders of the momentum from the previous game. And it's easier to keep the ship going straight down the river than it is to kick it in reverse and turn it around and paddle up the other way. And like I said on last week's show, it's in the show open, and we'll hear it again in another 10 minutes. I saved this clip from last week. The most likely path for the Bucks winning this series after it was tied 2-2 is to go and win game five and then to go and win game six. Because the momentum snowballs and you can keep building off these wins. And with every win, you incur or you you force more doubt onto Phoenix. Especially game game four is crucial. 
that that was game three in the Eastern Conference Finals where one team realized we blew it. That was our chance. We had him. We were up nine in the fourth quarter. Drew Holiday was terrible, and we lost anyways. Snowball, snowball gets bigger, gets bigger, gets bigger. Right now, all of the momentum is rolling in the way of the Milwaukee Bucks. And one of my favorite expressions ever, my dad says it. This is like a grandpa, uncle, dad expression. You got to make hay while the sun shines. And right now, the Bucks, the sun is shining on them. You need to use the momentum from game three to win game four, to win game five, and now they need to use it to win game six because you don't want to crack the door open and give the Suns a chance to get back on track winning game six, going back home for game seven. Does that make sense? I think momentum is a statistically relevant stat. Like, they say home court advantage, home field advantage, as worth a couple of points. I-, I feel the same way about momentum. I think if you win one game, it's almost like you have a three-point head start in the next. Five-point head start in the next. And I think it's played out that way, and it's been obvious in the series. Really quick, before we take a break, let's go to the phone. 608-796-2558. Scott, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, I just want to competitively agree but I think uh, a couple of years ago when we were against Toronto, mm-hmm. um, you know, they kind of figured us out and they were doing the Giannis wall. And, you know, obviously they uh, have implemented different strategies to get in Giannis's head since then. But the Bucks kept just having Giannis run up the floor and then run right into the wall. And uh, I think the Suns being, you know, they've got some veterans, but they've got the young people too. Uh, this Booker just continuing to go, go, go at it. Uh, I feel like the Bucks have kind of implemented their strategy keeping in mind that he could go for 40 and then they'll still win. Yeah. They comment all the time on that game that Booker went for, I believe it was 70, and they still lost the game. Um, so, I mean, that's a strategy. When you see some of these other guys holding the ball, they all look great. I mean, Phoenix was bad two years ago. They got a top-10 pick, and he's looked really solid. Um, so, I, you know, I think the, the Suns need to transition away from this Booker, chuck everything, even if he's making a bunch, that's not getting them the right looks that they need to win, as well as then maybe getting them some transition and some better defensive looks. Um, whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, we were just pile-driving Giannis every single play, despite what they were doing. Uh, I think we've adjusted better than they have. Thanks. Yeah, fantastic call, Scott. You hit so many things that I want to talk about. We're going to do the Booker, because the Booker thing is real. It's hard to blame a, a player that scores 40 for a team's loss, but the Suns need less Booker. And we're going to talk about that at 530. The, the Bucks have made adjustments in this series like the Raptors did to them in 2019. And it starts with Drew Holiday in the defense. Very similar to the Giannis Wall against Giannis. Let's talk about that coming up next. I was going to do the Brewers next, but let's just go for the clean sweep. Let's go for the hour straight on the Bucks. We'll talk about some of the changes that have helped turn this series around because I got a bunch of data on Drew Holiday. Didn't know if I was going to use today. And Scott, you just threw me a lob. So I'm going to throw it down. Some fascinating defensive statistics and figures on Drew Holiday and exactly how the series has, has shifted over the last couple games. So we'll do that coming up next, and then we'll reset the Wisco Sports Show coming up at 5. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for hanging out. We're talking Bucks winning game five. What does that mean for game six tomorrow on the verge of their first finals win in 50 years? We'll get into the Brewers, maybe. I was planning to talk about the Brewers right now, but then we got off track, went a little long talking about momentum and the Bucks. I did all this research today on Drew Holiday defense and how he's kind of changed and transitioned the series as we went along. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I'm talking like a page and a half here of stuff I have written down. And then Scott called in couple of minutes ago and just threw me a lob he's like uh yeah drew holiday's defense on booker and booker i don't we got to talk about that oh yes we do scott 
and you just gave me a chance to do so. The way that Drew Holiday, especially on Booker and Chris Paul, has shaped this series, Drew Holiday has just started guarding Chris Paul. They don't care if Booker goes off. They're doing exactly what Popovich used to do with Steve Nash. Interestingly enough, right, Coach Bud comes from the Popovich tree, which I, I think a lot of people bring up like unnecessarily. Every coach is their own man. They do things slightly differently, but it is interesting. Because Popovich, he's just like, go, Nash can go for 40. We don't care because no one else is beating us. The time of possession for Paul, Chris Paul, has gone down game by game. 52, 42, 46, 40, 37. Down, 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 percentage of the time. Meanwhile, Booker's gone 18%, 24%, 13, 24, now 28. He's not a point guard. He's a two guard. And he's handling the rock almost 30% of the time. Right? The Bucs aren't doubling him. The Bucs have sent zero doubles at Booker during his isolations throughout this series. There's 56 of them, according to Second Spectrum. They haven't sent a single double this entire series. Drew Holiday, game by game, he's like, well, I'm going to take Chris Paul away. Devin Booker can do what he wants. Devin Booker can do whatever he wants. We're going to let him go, just like they let it do with, with Nash. The Suns would actually be wise to use less Devin Booker, and that's something we're going to talk about at 5.30. Two stats I want to share with you that have helped change this series around. Number one, Drew Holiday has been meeting Chris Paul in the backcourt to the tune of at least 55 possessions so far this season. That's those numbers provided by 538. Phoenix is now starting possessions on average with 19 seconds left on the shot clock, which would have been the slowest of any team in the regular season. That's according to Second Spectrum. Now, part of that is just natural because in the finals and the playoffs, the game is going to slow down. But that number is just a reference in the, in the regular season. Like, that's really, really slow. So they're forcing Chris Paul to dribble the ball up under intense pressure. They're forcing them to start their offense late in the shot clock. And then also, oh yeah, Devin Booker, you want to go for 40? Fine. We're not going to let Mikhail Bridges get his. We're not going to let Jay Crowder get going. We're not going to let Cam Johnson even in the game. We're not going to let any of this happen. Booker, you go just a la, you know, Steve Nash against Popovich. Scott, everything you said in that call was correct, and I want to talk more about it coming up at 530. We're going to get into some Booker stuff that's very, very interesting. Coming up next, I want to react once again to Game 5. Take some more calls, some texts. We're just celebrating Game 5 before focusing on Game 6. That coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. I was a little bit late coming back from break there. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. I panicked, and I went to grab the microphone, and I pushed the computer, and I shut the monitor off for a second. (laughs) What a fly-by-night operation we have for the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope your week is off to a good start. And, yes, we are allowed to enjoy Game 5 while also recognizing that this isn't done yet. The Bucs need to win tomorrow night and close it out at home. Like Brandon Jennings foretold, Game six, Bucks in six, just like our Lord intended when the Bucks were first brought to Milwaukee and whatever year that was. I'm going to look that up. 608-796-2558, the talking text line. Now, I believe this is Eric and I-90. And Eric, if is, this is you, what gives? I haven't heard from you in a while, man. You know, I, I had to go into hiding here a little bit because I'm just not used to this NBA basketball finals. It's, it's like watching a a football game and you play a quarter and you take two days off and everybody talks about it mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. two days. Yes. Know? It's like having it's multiple Packer games nuts. a week. It's nuts. I agree. It's nuts. So I had to just kind of back off from it a little bit and I just, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm really happy about what's going on. The Drew Holiday feel when you watch that in slow mo from the end view, from the basket side, 
when he turns around, he starts running towards the basket. I don't think there's a better slow-mo play out there. You see, you see him steal the ball. He starts to take off, and you can see Giannis in the background. He he turns the Jets on. Yes, and he is gone. And you watch him, watch that. You know, you watch his eyes. He's judging it, and it's like. Um, I don't think I've seen a, a nicer play in basketball, to tell you the truth, man. It was it was awesome. Well, I think Giannis just realized, like, oh, yeah, I'm seven feet tall. No one can check me. I'm just going to run down there and make myself available, right? It's it, You just, just put yourself I, yes. in a position. I think that's what he did. It was really smart. Well, you could tell the other players on the team were, and nothing against Chris Middleton, but he was just kind of jogging and smiling, mm-hmm. you know, because – you looked at the other players, but Giannis, uh, Giannis realized that he, he could play a role there. I think it was – and, you know, the mental effect that has on the opposing team was devastating. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, to stand and dribble it out and all that kind of stuff, yeah, maybe you should have done that, but I'm sorry you did the right thing because it worked out, right? Yeah. It was an awesome play. It, it shushed the crowd. It got the Bucks fired up. Yes, I, I agree. And I'm glad to hear you're okay, Eric. I was concerned because we were talking, I don't know, once or twice a week as you get into the NBA over this Bucks run, and then I just stopped hearing from you. But you're a smart man. Just take time away. Take time away from the stress of all these games and just enjoy them. I, I respect it. it. It is stressful. I was just kind of like, everybody's hemming and hawing and talking. I'm just like, I'm just happy we get four more games, right? <sighs> I'm just saying, I want to win the championship. Yeah. I'm just happy we get four more games. You're a wiser but, man uh, than me, no, for sure. No, it's tough. I'm I'm really worked up about tomorrow's game now. I can't you know, wait. These have been tight games. Well, these it, have been tight games. But yeah. I, I, if they I win, if they win tomorrow night, Eric, you're gonna have to call in again. And I'm I'm terribly sorry. I gotta I gotta cut you off because I, I want to get to this Drew Holiday thing, and it's gonna play brilliant off of what you just said. So thank you. I appreciate hearing from you, and I hate calling people off without saying goodbye. Like I wish we had all the time in the world, but we don't. And because you brought up this Drew Holiday steal, we got to get to this before we move on because there's so much I want to get to today. And I appreciate you calling. And once again, I'm sorry. I, I hate talking over you. Sometimes that's the drawback of being on the phone. Let's talk about this Booker steal. Drew Holiday coming in and ripping him away. And Eric was right. You watch that in slow motion, and it's pretty, especially if you focus on Drew Holiday's face because you can see him almost like a calculator, looking at the numbers, taking in all the variables. Where's Giannis? Where's Chris? Where's the shot clock? Where's this? Where's that? Where's the defenders? Right? Taking it all in. And Eric Name asks him, please, go through that Devin Booker steal and exactly what came to be from start to finish during that play. Honestly, it was great team defense. Uh, I felt like we knew Booker wanted to take that last shot and Tuck played great defense on him and made him turn his back and turn right into me. So uh, I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. First, I thought he was going to shoot it, and I was going to be behind him to try to contest and, and maybe try to bother him. But uh, once he pump faked, I just felt like I should stay down and literally turned into me. So... Um, Again, right place at the right time. Right place at the right time. This is an important lesson about, about watching defense and judging defense. Game one, the shot making was incredible. And it was incredible on Saturday night, too. Chris Paul, Devin Booker hitting tough jumpers over good defense. And everybody came out of that game saying, oh, my God, the Bucks got to fix their defense. They, it, was, it was bad. Well, no, it wasn't. It was, it was pretty good, actually. Now they've made tweaks since. They've gotten better. But on a macro level, it was pretty darn good. Problem was the Suns were hitting great shots. This is an example right here. What Drew Holiday is saying. Defense really is just be in the right place and hope it works out. That's exactly what happened, right? PJ plays a great defensive possession on Devin Booker. Giannis shows to kind of force him back, and he spins, and Drew Holiday read the play and was right there, right place, right time. 
Defense is so much preparation meets opportunity, right? Correct process meets good luck. That's exactly what happened on that play. Now, the alley-oop. This is something Eric talked about, and I, Eric, I feel so bad. I shouldn't feel bad because this is my show, but I do feel bad when I cut callers off because I, I want you to call. I want to talk to all of you. But we only have so much time, and I want to get to this. David Aldridge talking to Drew. Take us through that alley-oop, and this is one of the coolest exchanges. Uh, hey, Drew, um, after the, after you rip Booker, I mean, you, you bring the ball up past midcourt, you know, most guys would have pulled it out, waited to get fouled in that situation. What 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 got you to, I'm going to throw this oop to, to Giannis? Um, well, that's what I was going to do. Uh, and Chris, I think, kind of played in between. But Giannis took off, and he was calling for the ball. So at that point, I just threw it as high as I could. And only where Giannis could go get it, and he he went up there and got it. <laughs> was there was there any part of you that thought, oop, I might have thrown a little too high on that one? Nah. Nah, he's uh, I mean, they don't call him the freak for nothing. So uh, I, th- I threw it as high as I could. I think that's such a cool answer. You think he threw it too high? No, God, God, no, no. It's called the Greek freak for a reason. I threw it as high as I could. That's that's pretty sick. That's that's pretty darn cool. Giannis went up there, pulled it out of the air, threw it down, and then Chris Paul's pushing him in the. I don't even know where he was pushing him. It looked like what Trevor Reza did in the first round. The fascination with Giannis's. <laughs> you know, and he finished the play anyways. Yeah, he missed the free throw, but just the the fact that he put that down and what made it a, a four point game at the time. It would have been a four point game. I mean, that was it. That was daggers. And there was for you football fans, you understand. And maybe this logic is changing because our opinions of fourth downs and win probability relating to field goals and fourth downs has changed. But in football, the rule is if it's the end of the game and you're driving down and you're seven points behind, right? And, and it's final minute or whatever. If you're at home. You, you take the touchdown, you kick the extra point, you play for the tie. If you're on the road, conventional wisdom for a long time has said, well, go for two, try to end it. Don't let it go to overtime. You're on the road. You're playing with house money. See if you can't steal a game. This play had that type of feel. The Bucks are on the road, so they're going for the win. Not going to turn this into a free throw game and maybe get overtime. No. But I don't think location, being in Phoenix, I don't think that was the entire decision. I think Drew, in the moment, was calculating, look, they're the better free throw shooting team. They're the better crunch time team. If we start trading free throws, that equation favors Phoenix. It, it benefits us to try to end this right now, and he did. And the fact that it worked, obviously we could talk about it as some brilliant decision. If it hadn't have worked, maybe a couple of things change. But I thought it was, I, I what a brilliant play. And it's so cool that these last two games have been dotted at the end. An exclamation point with that Giannis block and with that Drew Holiday to Giannis steal and lob. That's cool when you can define games by one play. Oh, game six uh, of the finals against the Spurs, that was the Ray Allen game. And then I think game seven, that was the Mike Miller game, right? Or the, the we're talking about the J.R. Smith game in the 2016 finals, right? Like you have these moments, the LeBron block. You have these moments, Kevin Durant coming down the floor, pulling up from right behind the left wing and hitting the dagger. It's really cool when these individual finals games are defined by a moment, and we've been blessed with that the last few games, especially as Bucks fans. Suns fans, not so much, but all right, you don't have Giannis. Be better. I don't know. <laughs> don't have DeAndre Ayton. Maybe you should have drafted Marvin Bagley. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what should have happened, Grant. I don't have a deranged Kings fan. Let's take a break. I want to talk about Devin Booker and why less is more. Less is more. And we've had texters mention this. We're all over this today. The listeners are all over this. As a community, we're ready to do this. Less Devin Booker. That's what the Suns need. Let's talk about that next. Wisco Sports Show, back after this. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a good weekend. We're going to talk Brewers in about 15 minutes, or I don't know, maybe we won't. We'll see where it goes. We've been doing an hour and 45 minutes now straight of Bucks. And if the conversation remains riveting and intriguing, then we'll stick with Bucks. Otherwise, we'll do like a couple of minutes on the Brewers. They had a great weekend. And if I had a four hour show, we'd find time. But I have two hours. So it means we could only talk about the best, most important things. And honestly, I kind of like it that way because I can do the most exciting takes, the things that I'm most interested in, and then I can just put the microphone and go away and be done for the day, which I kind of like. I don't often need four hours. Some days I do, but two hours is it's the perfect window of time. Uh, a programming note, as we say in the business, uh, no Wisco Sports Show tomorrow because the Brewers are playing at 3 o'clock to not conflict with the Bucks, which was a cool, classy move by a cool, classy organization. Got to think Craig Council was a part of the decision-making process there because... If it's a good decision, probably came from the skipper, Craig Council. So no Wisco Sports Show tomorrow, so we will react on Wednesday to either an upcoming Game 7 or the Bucks winning a friggin' NBA championship. Either should be exciting. One would be a little bit more exciting and fun than the other. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Billy texts in <clears throat> and says, hey, Grant. Great show this morning with Geo and a great show this afternoon. Who knows? Maybe double headers are your thing now. Anyways, Bucks and Six. Have I said something about needing a thing? Double headers? Is there some joke I'm missing? Billy, first of all, thank you, Billy. Yeah, I was hosting this morning for Dave here in Lacrosse on WKTY. Ryan Gianoni, who's been on this show, was with me. It was a blast. It was fun. We got to talk a little bit about his cubbies because he's a huge baseball guy, played collegiate baseball, and I was like getting his opinions on things. Hearing him talk about what's going on with the Cubs is really interesting because that was a fun part of the morning show this morning. And Billy, thank you for listening. That was so sweet of you. Thank you, and thank you for the text. Like I said, the number 608-796-2558. Let's just keep the momentum going. The calls have been fantastic today. So now, Brenda, you got to keep it going. Welcome to the show. What's up? Uh, that was a fabulous weekend for Wisconsin sports, by the way. Uh, it was. Um, and it made my day because, you know, one on my birthday. So, you know. Yes, that's right. It was your birthday. How was your birthday this weekend? I forgot all about that. It was great. It was great. So, yeah, so that was fun. But, okay, so the Bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, Even though the Brewers are phenomenal, we're talking Bucks. Mm -hmm. So the Bucks, they need to come in passionate, come in with guns blazing, because, you know, the Suns are going to come in all guns blazing. Suns are blazing. And play, right, play their game. The Bucks need to play their game at their pace and keep it, real for them because if they start playing, the, the, if the Suns start getting their rhythm down or whatever, then it's all done, probably. Mm-hmm. Because the Suns are going to be, the Suns are, it's do or die for them. Yeah. But if the Bucks play their game at their pace and come out aggressive, they're going to throw the Suns off their game and it's going to be a lot of follows. They better be practicing their free throws today. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. The Bucks. how I put it earlier, Brenda, is the Bucks like, force the Suns to do things that the Suns can't do. Like, hey, defend us in the paint. The yeah. Suns only have DeAndre Ayton. Like, the, these rosters are just matched mm-hmm. up in a way where the Bucks can keep doing something and the Suns don't have an answer. And if they can keep doing that, yeah, they should win tomorrow night. I agree with you. Playing their style. Yep, they need to play their style at their pace cause, and, and do what they do, which is play inside the paint. Because yes. 
that's where they're getting the sums. These last, these last three games taught them anything. That should be what they ha- should have learned in these last three games. Be aggressive and play their game inside the paint. I love it. That's going to create great shots for them, both in the paint, and then the three-pointers will come as well, and I think that should be their mission tomorrow night exactly. for sure. Yeah, Brenda, before I let you go, yeah. i got to ask, you celebrated your birthday this weekend, so if the Bucks win tomorrow night, are, do you have more in the tank? Can you celebrate more? I want to know what people are planning to do on a Tuesday night if the Bucks win a title. Well, considering I work Wednesday at 8 a.m., probably, I'm probably maybe going to take a shot and go to bed. All right. <laughs> That's understandable. That's, that's a good celebration. And then when the weekend rolls around, you can see some friends and, and kind of celebrate it that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When you work all week and you got to work early in the morning, can't sleep in. Guess what? You're celebrating later. Uh, that's brutal. <laughs> that's fine. We're responsible working adults, Brenda. You and me. We got we to gotta keep it under control. Yeah. You know, I like to pay my mortgage. I like to put food on the table. <laughs> yeah. Adult things. Insurance investing, et cetera. Yeah, adult things. Hey, thanks for the yeah, call, Brenda. Adulting. And call back if they win the title, please. I will, I will. Have a good night. Yeah, you as well. Brenda in Madison. Hey, if they don't win the title, Brenda, I still want to hear from you. I didn't mean it that way, but if they do win the title and we, we come together to talk again on Wednesday, this needs to be a, a group celebration. We need to do this as a group. I think Devin Booker plays such a huge role on how tomorrow night's game is going to go. And if I was a Suns fan, I'd have a sliver of optimism Because I think some of the Suns' issues over the last three games are are correctable. I I think they can do something with it. Now, I think there's a huge issue for the Suns. They can't handle the Bucs in the paint. That's not going to change. But I think the Suns could outscore them by shooting on the perimeter. The Suns might have to win 125, 123, you know, 130, 125, something like that. But I do think it's there to be done. And I think it starts with fewer shots from Devin Booker. This is something that I, I first talked about it was last week, Thursday or Friday. As this series has gone along, Devin Booker has taken more and more and more assists. He's been handling the rock more and more and more. So in game one, I'm going to just give you the game one and then the game five figures so you can see how it's, it's advanced. You don't need the minutia of what happened in between. So game one, the rock was handled 52% of the time by Chris Paul, 18% of the time by Devin Booker. And since Drew Holiday has moved on to Chris Paul, and I think Chris Paul's gotten tired, and I think he's banged up a little bit, It's completely switched. Chris Paul is now handling the rack 37% of the time. And yes, it's still more than Booker, but it's a lot closer. Booker's handling it 28% of the time. That's a 10% increase for Booker. And it's what? A little bit more than 10% increase? 15% increase? Decrease for Chris Paul. Excuse me, a decrease. So Booker's handling the rack. Dribble, 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 dribble. Dribble, dribble, create, backstep, fade, shot. Dribble, 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 crossover, get to the rack, get fouled, go to the line. It slows everything down. And it's really, really difficult to look at a player who scored back-to-back 40-point games in the finals, something that very few players have ever done, and tell him that it's his fault. Eh, not even his fault. But it's difficult to tell that guy that you need to do something a little differently, that you need to lay off a little bit and work on getting others involved. Here's how Devin Booker's assist numbers has changed over this series. So starting in Game 1, and I'm just going to read them off all the way through Game 5. 6, 6, 2, 2, 3 been a decrease the whole way along. And you might think, well, Grant, the Suns shot so much better in games one and two. Of course. Of course the assist numbers are going to go down. Devin Booker can't force his teammates to make shots. Well, that's when you stop looking at the assists and you look at potential assists. Gone from 16, 12, 5, 5, 4. Meaning, in game five, Devin Booker had three assists on four potential assists. That's terrible. Well, it's not terrible. It's just... 
but it's not there, right? Devin Booker had 40-plus points. That's great. But he's not creating for others. He's not looking for others. He's not getting others involved. And I think the Suns are similar to last year's Heat in a way where, yeah, their best player is great, Devin Booker or Chris Paul, depending on who you think it is, but the strength of the Suns is the way that they move the ball and get everyone involved and force the defense into rotation and force the defense to foul. The more shots that Duncan Robinson gets, the better the Heat are. The more touches that Bam Adebayo gets, although this year in the playoffs is a little bit of a step back for him. It's better when everyone's involved. And if Jimmy Butler is going to shoot the ball 40 times, that's a win for the other team, even if Jimmy Butler scores 38 along the way. Marcus Johnson tweeted this out an hour ago, and I saved it instantly because I knew it would add to this conversation. Mikhail Bridges, he's taken a total of 14 shots in the three straight losses. The Suns are 10-0 and when he attempts field goals, at least 10, and 9-1 and when he attempts five threes. He's been doing that. And Mikhail Bridges isn't Booker. He's not Middleton. He's not Chris Paul who can create his own shot at a high clip. He can do it here and there. But he's a guy that stands in the corner. He's a guy that cuts to the basket. He's a great cutter. Might be the best cutter in basketball. But as a cutter, you are dependent on another player to get you the rock. And because Chris Paul has handled the ball less and Devin Booker has handled the ball more, it's been on Devin Booker to look for others. And his potential assists have gone to darn near zero. 16 and 12 in the first two games. Then, since, 5, 5, and 4. If I'm Monty Williams, I'm telling Book, look, it's great that you're scoring 40. How about trying to score 32 and get eight or nine assists? Because that's when we're the best version of ourselves. And maybe Booker hears that and agrees and says, yeah, let's do it. And then the Suns are a much better version of themselves tomorrow night. I think that's the most realistic way for the Suns to win. Less Booker, a little bit more of everyone else. But it's also a product of the way that the Bucks are defending. They've stuck Drew Holiday on Chris Paul and essentially said, look, Booker, score 45. We don't give a damn. We don't care at all. We're going to take away Chris Paul. We're going to make the ball stick in one place. We're not going to help off the corner threes. Corner three attempts, they've almost eliminated after game two when they went, I think Phoenix went 10 of 18 from the corner. They got 18 three-point attempts from the corner, which is their bread and butter. And since then, the Bucs have completely shut that off. They said, we're not going to let Chris Paul have anything easy. We're going to beat him up with Drew Holiday. We're going to take away the corner threes. We're not going to help. Devin Booker, have fun. Have a good time. Go, go off, please. Score 42. We don't care. And it's exactly what Popovich did with Steve Nash. Go do it. Go have fun. Light it up. We don't care. And this is what I said about the Heat series last year. I remember before game one, I said, the Bucks should force Jimmy Butler to beat them. Dare him. Jimmy, you want to, you want to shoot 35 times? Go off. Have, have a ball. And that didn't work out, mostly because the Bucks were a weaker version of themselves, and Jimmy Butler was on this mystical, magical run that seems confined to last year because he was a turd in the playoffs this year, to quote Binksy and to quote George Bluth from Rest of Bellman. He's just a turd out there. He just was this year. The ball needs to stick with Devin Booker. The Bucks need to make it stick with Devin Booker and dare him to shoot because I think he's such a killer. If he gets a mismatch that he likes against Pat Connaughton, well, he's going to go to work and he's going to take a jumper, and it might go in. But a lot of times it also won't, and that's beneficial to the Bucks. and the fact that Mikhail Bridges isn't getting shots, and DeAndre Ayton's not getting involved, and Cam Johnson. The Suns should play more Cam Johnson over Jay Crowder because ain't nobody stopping Giannis, but at least Cam Johnson can give you a little bit more offense than simply spot up catch-and-shoot threes. Right? The Bucs need to continue to doing what they're doing on Booker. They're not double-teaming him at all. The Bucs have sent zero double-teams at Devin Booker during his isolations during the series. He has 56, according to Second Spectrum. Those 56 isolations have generated 67 points and only 13 passes. It's sticking with him. And yeah, he's been individually brilliant. And you can win regular season games like that. 
But over seven games, you go for 40 every game. We're going to do our best to beat up Chris Paul as they've done and take away Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson and Campaign, although let Campaign shoot all, all he wants. They should let him go off too. The Bucks have figured them out defensively. And unless Monty Williams and Devin Booker get together and say, hey, we need to completely do something different. But then again, if Devin Booker stops shooting, where's the offense coming from? Because he's not a great facilitator. He can be, but it's not his natural game. And if Chris Paul is this version of himself, if Devin Booker goes for 30, well, then they might just lose by 20. The Suns are stuck in a rock-hard place right now. They're faced with the possibility of Devin Booker scoring 42 and their team losing, or Devin Booker pulling back and then nobody else doing creating anything, and the Suns still lose. So I think by this this nature of, of the regret law, I've brought this up. This is my own law, right? The Suns will probably look at this game. I hope they look at this game and think, hey, if we're going down, we want to go down behind Devin Booker. We want to see if he can score 50, 55 if need be to win this game. That's what I want to see as, Buck, as a Bucks fan. I don't want to see them all of a sudden start facilitating and moving the ball more because that's when they're at their most dangerous. Hopefully Booker gets the green light. The Bucks dare him to shoot and he does exactly that. That's my hope. Five minutes or so left of the show. Let's take a quick break. If you have any final thoughts, get them in here. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Remember, no show tomorrow because of the Brewers. So this is the last chance we're going to talk before game six. So speak now or forever hold your peace. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show, final chance to talk before game six. No show tomorrow because the Brewers are on. I feel like we got to do something tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Maybe after the game tomorrow, especially if they win, I'll tweet out a green room link and we can hop in a chat. If you don't have the Spotify green room app, you should get it because it's awesome. And I can hop in there. You guys can hop in there. We can talk back and forth or you can just hang out and listen. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow after the game. Just download the Spotify green room app. Uh, and we can chat tomorrow night, and then we'll have a full show on Wednesday to react to whatever happens in Game 6, win or lose. Just not tomorrow because of the Brewers. Cool that they move their start time, I think, to not conflict with the Bucks. Now I only have to use one TV. How slick is that? 608-796-2558. Mike in Madison says, it's not do or die for the Suns. It's done and dead. Wow, look at you. You should write music. He said, it's all done. Thank you, Mike, for texting today. I appreciate having you as always. Eric in I-90, or Eric on I-90, excuse me. Schmidt on the north side. Brenda, Scott, Nick in Madison. A lot of awesome callers today. And I'm sorry, I know, Eric, I kind of cut you off at the end. I'm going to think about it when I go to sleep tonight, and I feel bad. We had so much stuff to get in today. Really quickly, the phone is ringing. Uh, We have, like, two and a half minutes. So we'll do this phone call, but we got to hurry, so I I don't want to cut you off. So, once again, I'm sorry the show is at a quick pace today. Uh, This is a number I haven't seen before. Who, Who do I got here? Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Hey, man, long-time listener. This is Mark from Madison. i got to pick your brain real quick. Mark! A couple of buddies of mine were thinking about going down to Milwaukee, not to pay big money to be at the game, but maybe just to hang out in the garden and be outside or get a bar near, nearby. Yeah. Do you think that's just going to be a complete S show, or do you think it's going to be something that would be epically great to be at? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's going to be a show. There's so many people down there, and I saw Justin Garcia just tweeted during the last break. I found it. They're going to allow 65,000 people at the Deer District tomorrow night. So it should be a blast, but if you like, if you don't like big crowds, like you're going to be jostling with people who are probably going to wait in line for a drink. Yeah, but if yeah, you're good my, with that, yeah. My, my, 
Yeah, my concern would be like, is, are the TVs going to be viewable? I'd hate to go down to a mosh pit and not even be able to actually watch the game. They brought in new screens. Like, they, they, they've they added stuff to the district. It's not just like they're allowing more people. They've added screens. I don't know exactly what that – you could probably look it up. But, yeah, they've made accommodations, it looks like. I appreciate that heads up, man. Yeah, thanks for the call. Call back anytime. His name was Mark in Madison. That's what I have on caller ID, except it's only right like half the time. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Thank you. 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight, And you know what? If you end up going, text a picture into the show or tweet one at me. I'd love to see it. It looks like it's going to be a zoo. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks tweeted, uh, expansion of the Deer District Watch Party will allow 65,000 fans to attend. Fans with game tickets encouraged to arrive early with the gates opening at 6 p.m. And then Justin tweeted that and said, all that to just watch me on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's why everyone's there, Justin. The real question is 65,000 fans are in attendance, but we're only curious about one. Will Aaron Rodgers be there tomorrow? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't don't care. See, I don't care. That's the thing is I don't, I have zero interest. I'm not curious. I don't, of all the things I care about, that is at the bottom of the list. I care a negative amount. In fact, I couldn't care less. I don't care. I hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't go. I don't want to see his face there. It's not that I don't want to play for the Packers again. This isn't about you. This isn't about some... Mike Florio, Michael Silver, Adam Schefter article. No, this is about my Bucks. They're going to win the title tomorrow night, and you can show up at training camp where you're supposed to be and not ruin the Bucks moment. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers goes. And if he does, I hope I don't see him. I hope they don't show him on the screen. Don't show him trying to chug a beer. Just don't. I'm not interested. I don't care. In fact, I couldn't care less. Have I made that clear? Good. Enjoy the game tomorrow. No Wisco Sports Show. So we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about whatever goes down. I can't wait. Same time, same place. Wisco Sports Show. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 